This is Sarah Bordeaux, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. On this episode of PodSAM, we're kicking off year three of the Summit Series with a conversation on the guest experience. SAM Magazine started this program three years ago in an effort to foster dialogue between the current generation of mountain resort leaders and the up-and-comers. This year, Sam welcomed 10 mentors and 10 mentees to the program to share in six conversations about the past, present, and future of the mountain resort industry. In this special six-episode run, we'll be sharing those conversations here on PodSAM and in the pages of Sam Magazine. This year's mentees are Alex Drew, Group Coordination Manager at Sunday River Resort, Maine, Evan Kovach, Director of Sales and Marketing at Mountain Creek Resort, New Jersey, Joey Carey, Youth Sports Manager, Killington Mountain Resort, Vermont. Mark Adamsik, Director of Outdoor Adventure, Winter Park Resort, Colorado. Maida Agar, Director of Programming and Hill Operations, Mount Skeagol, Minnesota. Megan Collins, Communications and Events Specialist, Snow Basin Resort, Utah. Nick Delich, Snowmaking Director, Blue Mountain Resort, Pennsylvania. Nicole Gebhardt, Snow Sports Administration Manager, Taos Ski Valley, New Mexico. Stephen Remillard, Senior National Sales Manager, Mammoth Mountain Ski Area, California, and Tom Reuther, Marketing and Snow Sports Coordinator at Obergatlinburg Ski Area and Amusement Park, Tennessee. You can get to know them better and meet all 10 of our mentors by heading to www.saminfo.com slash summit series. Before we dive into the conversation, I have to give a special shout out to Tim Barnhorst and the team at Mountain Guard, who have been sponsoring and supporting the Summit Series program since year one. We also have to thank Dr. Natalie Uwe and the Colorado State University Graduate Program in Ski Area Management, who provide the pre-call resources and deep dive activities to the mentees. On this episode, we gathered Brad Wilson, General Manager of Bogus Basin, Idaho, Carolyn Crowley-Stimson, Chief Operating Officer of Wachusett Mountain Resort, Massachusetts, and David Perry, Executive Vice President of Altera Mountain Company, on the phone for a discussion on the guest experience. If you've listened to Summit Series episodes before, which you totally should, you know this audio is derived from actual conference calls, so there is the standard call interference, but it's totally worth it. With that, we'll hand it off to our facilitator, Paul Tallner, CEO and founder of High Peaks Group, to kick us off. Really delighted that you're all you all are here and eager to hear everything that you have to ask our great mentors. And for our mentors, thank you uh, for for participating in this. Obviously, busy time. Glad you're able to carve out some time to you know give this gift back to the industry. As you know, I'm going to be asking you some questions and ask you to share some stories. But so that the mentees can put a voice to your name, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourselves real quick. Just say your name, your uh, organization again, and your role. And then I'd love for you to share one thing that you're really good at that most people don't know about you. Yeah. Hi, Brad Wilson. I'm the general manager of Bogus Basin Mountain Recreation Area. We're a nonprofit uh, mountain recreation area, 16 miles north of Boise, Idaho. I don't think most people know that I'm really a good guesser on The Voice. The TV show, The Voice. Correct. Awesome. That's great. 
we'll put you to the test at some point when, uh, when you know, in the latter sessions, we'll all start singing or something. So we can, <laughs> okay. Plan. Don't have me sing um, because you guys will all be immediately off. I do have one of those uh, distinctive voices, I've been told. Anyway, Carolyn Stimson here. I've been uh, in the business for, uh, we started running what she said back in the 60s. I actually just found my first ski pass from uh, 1969. So um, been been doing this longer than most of you guys have been around. Uh, and we also, it's a family business and we are also in the beverage business. Um, so we, uh, we like to keep our, 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 our family employees and wouldn't have jobs otherwise. So polar beverages and uh, what you said are our two family businesses. Uh, hello everybody, David Perry here. And uh, I am the, as introduced with Altera Mountain Company. Uh, I was the founding president and COO of the company and I've recently shifted my role now a little over two years in, uh, and EVP, Sustainability Special Projects now. Uh, but for the last two years, we've been trying to build the foundations of Altera and launching, creating, creating and launching the Icon Pass. Um, and prior to that, I was 16 years at Aspen Skiing Company. And then from Canada before that, you can probably still hear a little Canadian in my voice uh, from time to time. So one thing about me that I guess this is something outside of our industry that you're supposed to share. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a very accomplished photographer, actually, mostly landscape and uh, uh, but people as well. And uh, that's that's my other passion. Well, thank you, everybody. Really, really appreciate those intros. Uh, good to get to know you a little bit better here. So the topic for today's session is guest experience. Really would love to start with each of our mentors sharing a story, right? So sort of putting yourself in the way back machine a little bit and uh, reflecting on some of those moments that, that really stick out in your mind as being particularly noteworthy as far as guest experiences. So what encounter, whether it's personally or professionally, did you have with guest experience that really sticks out as a shining example of what to do? Really sort of a shining peak positive moment of when you were looking at guest experience and saying, ah, that's it, that's what it really means. So Brad, why don't we start with you? Great. Well, I appreciate it. Um, was general manager at a what would be considered a local ski area, although at 2,600 acres, uh, we're a pretty good-sized local ski area. I, I get out and about, and I think it's really important uh, to be highly visible on the mountain, not just for our, our employees, but also for our guests. And the beauty of a local ski area is we have a, a returning clientele. So uh, we have about 35,000 season pass holders, and they all live within the uh, area uh, in and around Boise. So over the last four years, I've gotten to know or at least recognize a whole lot of those. So my story is last year, of course, it was busy like so many Western ski areas were. Um, I was out and about my usual tour and came down to one of the lifts on the backside of the mountain. It's a high-speed quad. And... Uh, I noticed a humongous lift line and it wasn't being controlled very well. So I took the, the initiative to step in, um, talk to the lift attendant and was trying to control the line and worked and worked with them, but really got out in front of it and showed both the guests and our employees uh, how important it is to interact with the guests and to control the line and fill every chair. Uh, and I, we took uh, a line that was probably 
you know, 15 minutes long, maybe, uh, and, and brought it down to about five minutes long by filling the chair, but in the process, also interacting with the guests. I mean, the beauty of having all those season pass holders is you have their name in front of you all the time, so you can address them by name. And, uh, and so it was, a, it was a great experience. I did it for a couple of hours, and I've done it several times. But this particular one uh, really stood out. And I heard more about that experience from our customers, from our guests, than anything else I've ever done. Um, they all loved the fact that I was down there. They all loved the fact that I, it, I cared enough to, uh, to be down there and help things out. And then I heard from our employees that they really appreciated the help. They were under a lot of stress. And, uh, and they learned to, to control the line a little better. So I think it was, uh, you know, it was fun for me. I don't have to do it every day, but it was fun to get out there and really interact with the guests and had a really positive influence, I think, on them. I just uh, I love what Brad said, and I totally appreciate that. Um, uh, a big thing from from my perspective is leading by example and and being out there and, and interacting with the with our guests all the time and our employees. I'll, I'll, I I love jumping in at the rental shop, and I constantly get comments from our our guests like, "Aren't you the lady on TV?" And 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 the you know employees and guests totally appreciate the fact that I'm in there with their smelly feet and checking their boots. Um, uh, I just had a a, a situation. Uh, the other day, we had the what you said, old time skiers luncheon. A couple of hundred old timers come in and have their preseason uh, uh, lunch. And uh, <clears throat> I said uh, to uh, one of the people, actually, we had a, a ski swap a couple weeks before, and uh, and I said, "Welcome home to the to the old timer, eighty seven year old skier." And he totally appreciated. I found that out because I went to his wake the other day, and his wife said, "I can't even tell you how meaningful that was for him to have you say welcome home." And he, he was, you know, he was totally touched. He didn't make the luncheon, by the way, um, but the, uh, but he did, did appreciate the fact that um, I, I addressed him, you know, directly that way. So leading by example, getting down in the trenches, um, picking up trash. I constantly picking up trash, mm -hmm. um, and I ask employees to back me up on that in our orientation video. That's really excellent. That that's a touching story. Really incredible. Um, I got choked up saying it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thanks, uh, David. Do you want to share a story? Sure. Thanks, Brad and Carolyn. Really good examples there. Uh, I agree 100%. You know, leading by example and and getting out there uh, on the front lines, uh, showing your people that you're shoulder to shoulder with them is is immensely valuable uh, on many many levels. Uh, one thing that uh, I, I've discovered over time is you know I've had this internal debate between uh, meeting a customer's needs, like just meeting them, or the Whole surprise and delight, like you know, can you really surprise and delight your customers so that they start telling positive stories about their experience afterwards? Um, I know there's articles out there that say you know, surprise and delight doesn't move the needle uh, on business more as much as meeting their needs does. But uh, I'll leave that debate to the experts. I'm really in the surprise and delight camp. So finding ways to to uh, energize our guests and. I'm going to go way back with a quick story. I was actually a ski instructor at Blackcomb Mountain first year they opened. Uh, and, and I was told when we started, I started work there that, you know, you were more than a ski instructor. Uh, you need to show up at 730. Uh, we're going to greet all the guests as they show up you know, at the parking lots and, and get in the lift lines. Uh, so we did. Uh, everyone it was an all hands on deck mentality and culture and uh, showed up in my instructor's uniform, handed out trail maps, uh, helped people in the lift line help kids get their skis on, those kinds of things. 
uh, then went off later to do uh, my job and actually teach skiing. And it was a snowy day, and this was a protocol on any snowy day. So at the end of the teaching day, everyone, the pros showed up in their uniforms at the parking lot with brooms. And uh, you took your broom out, and you were sweep, we were sweeping the snow off the windshields and the, and the, and the cars and out there as people were arriving at their vehicles. And they were kind of shocked. Kind of <laughs> and, you know, we left a little note on the windshield, said, thank you. You know, this, uh, hope you drive safely and so you see clearly and come back again soon. But, you know, what did that, it was people would stop and say, didn't I see you at the lift line first thing this morning? And, oh, weren't you teaching lessons? And, oh, you're out here in the parking lot? Like, what kind of place is this? Because uh, it showed that it doesn't matter what your job was, you were all pitching in and greeting the guests in meaningful ways. And I would say my number one takeaway of, of that, that culture and the, the result of that is that delivering the customer interaction with genuine personal warmth. Like, like Carol and Brad just talked about, interacting with the customers. I mean, you're face-to-face -face with a customer and in a leadership position, speaking to them, looking to them in the eye and with a smile and, and a helpful uh, demeanor. That's very meaningful. That's that's phenomenal. That that certainly would delight me if I got back to my car and saw someone sweeping the windshield off. That's phenomenal, and that authenticity really seems to be a theme in in all three of your responses. You know, meeting people where they are, showing them that you're you generally are happy that they're there and that you you, you want them to have a great time. They're really great stuff. So. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Ski resorts are a lot more than just skiing. There's a lot of business units at a resort, as, as many of you know. I'd love to sort of hear your thinking about how you create sort of a cohesive guest experience across all of the various touch points, right? You might have a, you know, a good you know, group of people who are committed to delighting and surprising guests in one area, but maybe the momentum might be a little lost in other areas. But so how, how as leaders do you help create that guest experience across the entire organization and, and all of the business units and everywhere that uh, customers touch the, the system? So Carolyn, why don't we start with you? I think uh, David just touched on it. Uh, you know, the the, um, the cohesiveness of of training is really really what it comes down to, and and uh, and cross training. Um, you know, we've got uh, a bunch of people that that can do just about anything. <clears throat> um, so uh, having having those touch points, I think, is is really great for the customer too. You know, if you're out there greeting them as they come off the bus in the morning, to uh, you know helping them load the lift uh, later on, and and serving them soup at lunch. Um, you know. You, you might see that that person two or three times during the day, and they're just blown away, and they totally appreciate the fact that you're you're making it happen for them. So um, having having uh, consistent training on uh, cross training, and uh, and again those those genuine uh, customer interactions are are key. You know, it's uh, Carol's correct. You know, and uh, training is essential. And uh, sometimes people show up for work; uh, they have very little group training, they show up on the job and they pick up what they learn from their colleagues. And that isn't always correct. But uh, before training, you know, I think there's a lot of work needs to be done as, as management on defining your strategy uh, as an organization. And if you define your strategy correctly, and you have the, comp the company strategy overall, and then you go down to department level or business unit level, and you get your core strategy support that support the company strategies, and then you write down to the department level where the service is delivered, you know, at the front lines. 
and make sure that their strategies then support the business unit, which supports the company. So it's, it's like a waterfall strategy exercise. And then at the, at the, the customer's face-to-face -face level, uh, ground zero, it's really about understanding the customer journey. You know, and someone on the phone, I think from, from Mammoth Mountain will understand this language, but you know, <laughs> what is the customer journey and following it in great detail and putting yourselves in the shoes of the customer and doing that as a practice exercise before the customer arrives. So whether it's the pre-arrival, you know, your online experience, your booking on the, whatever it might be, uh, getting your tickets, your pass, it's the parking experience, it's the wayfinding experience. Uh, what are the, the customer interactions that you really control uh, and understanding each of those those points uh, but it starts with strategy then it goes all the way down into the customer journey and so if those are really carefully thought through and then drilled in, uh, down to everyone with training uh, then everyone will understand the customer's point of view and that's really hard to do uh, but if you truly can do it then you can anticipate the customer's needs you can attend to the pain points uh, that customers are inevitably going to experience. Um, and one thing to remember with that is that, you know, sometimes customer experience is, is, is understood by people as a, a, an employee and a customer interaction. And that's true. Uh, but it's also more than that. It's the physical presentation uh, at your resort. It's the wayfinding, the signage of things. It's the cleanliness. Uh, it's the value for price paid. You know, there's many different categories that really uh, add into the customer experience overall. And uh, it isn't just the interactions. Uh, there's a lot of uh, moving parts and pieces. That's great, Dave. Thank you. Uh, um, you know, one, one other component of that uh, element is our uniforms. Um, making sure that uh, our customers can identify our employees. Um, you know, I, I've been at several different ski areas, and and the uh, default color for ski areas is black. You know, if you get if you give the choice to uh, to the frontline staff, they'll all wear black. And that, I don't know about you, but black blends in quite easily to uh, to what our customers wear. So, you know, I the first thing I did when I got here was uh, we bought new uniforms, and they're all consistent across all. Uh, departments. So when you walk into a building or walk across the uh, the plaza, you can pick out a, uh, an employee and thus uh, get your questions answered. So that that's kind of the physical uh, ideas that I that I've instituted. But um, one of the things about customer service training, and we have a whole bunch of new employees, and we hire about 60, 14, and 15 year olds for ski school. Uh, to work in the kids programs. And so when we're doing training, we try, we try to keep it at least initially very simple. And one of the elements that I've, I've really tried to, to focus on is, uh, and you probably have all heard of this or you know of it, it's called a 510 rule. And it just means that when, the customer, when a customer gets within a certain uh, proximity of an employee, we ask them to, uh, to acknowledge the the guest with sincerity and authenticity, a wave, a high, and if they get within five feet of you, you actually you actually say something to them. Uh, and obviously, this came from Disneyland. I think it's one of the reasons why it has the moniker of the happiest place on earth is you can't get close to an employee at Disneyland without them acknowledging you in a sincere way. 
So, uh, you know, with 300 employees on at one time at, uh, at Bogus Basin, if every employee can do that, that guest that's walking across the plaza or going to the lift or going to lunch will come out with the impression that this place is amazing. Everybody is friendly. Everyone is genuine. And then, of course, making sure that our employees know the answers of the questions that, uh, that, that the guests will ask them. The Podzam conversation continues after we thank Podzam and Summit Series partner, Mountain Guard. How many skier visits are you doing? 5,000? 5 million? I'm going to guess it's probably somewhere in between. Specializing exclusively in insuring the ski industry since 1962, Mountain Guard has become the largest writer of ski resort insurance in North America. No matter your size, your resorts need the expertise and experience that Mountain Guard can provide. Head on over to mountainguard.com where you'll be able to make quick contact with their eastern or western experts. Customers know them as Tim Barnhorst, Tim Hendrickson, and Bo Adams. www.mountainguard.com We're going to turn over some of the, our questions now to some of the mentees so that they can ask you some of their questions. So from Obergatlinburg, we have Tom Reuther. Tom, you want to go ahead and ask your question? Yeah, thanks. Uh, good to hear from you all. Um, my question is, what are some examples of ways that your resort works to turn a negative guest experience into a positive one for y'all? Sure. I'll start off um, on that one. You know, turning a negative into a positive, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to rec for recovery, right? Guest service recovery is, is a whole science unto itself. Uh, and, and although I can't say I've applied this universally at all our resorts, uh, in my past experience where it's been most successful is where uh, the company truly empowers the frontline employee, doesn't matter what level you, you're at, uh, to do whatever it takes uh, to give the customer what they need to turn around their experience. Uh, if they give a comp day, they give a free rental ski, uh, you know, whatever it might be, uh, you know, go ahead and give it. Just tell us what you gave, you know, so we know uh, and we can take care of it. It's interesting, you know, when you do that, if you truly are brave enough to empower frontline employees to give away whatever they need to do to rectify a bad customer experience, uh, then they rarely will give away too much. Uh, they're very careful with the company's uh, resources and, and money and products. So um, if you can do it and you're brave enough, give control to the front line. And that's the best way to turn negatives around to positives the fastest. Yeah, I, I concur. Um, we, uh, we've given out what's called a customer care card and every employee carries this with them. If, if there's an issue that a guest has, that, um, that a parking lot attendant can take care of, they can write out a, a customer care card. And it could be something as little as a hot, free hot chocolate because they're struggling with their kids. I mean, and we've done this and we have found exactly what you said, Dave, is you almost have to force the employees to give these things out because they really take it uh, seriously and, and, and feel you know, obligated not to give away too much. But, uh, but, but that's super important. I think that part of this also stems from, I'll call it management, and it's it's our reluctance uh, to really take care of that 95% of the people that will do things the right way, because we, we focus on the 5% that might take advantage of a program or, you know, or potentially, you know, steal from us or whatever, whatever you want to call it, but we spend way too much time on 
the very small minority and not looking at the majority of the people that would benefit from programs or pricing or something like that that would be beneficial. And so, I, like you, Dave, I also I encourage my uh, my employees they will never uh, get get in trouble for giving too much away. Uh, we do similar, uh, uh, you know, empowerment programs, but um, but also recognize the employee for having done so. So if uh, if someone uh, uh, has their their skis stolen, which never happens, by the way, they only steal snowboards. But our uh, our um, security crack security um, force will, will look on the cameras and see that the person actually grabbed the wrong skis and um, you know drove off with them, and then we contact the person because we actually have their license plate number and say, hey, by the way. When you could you bring up the the other person's skis who you borrowed? In the meantime, we'll give them the demos that so that the person can continue skiing um, with the proper settings and ski equipment. So um, our uh, security guys get um, all kinds of accolades and and shout outs from the customers mm-hmm. that that had their skis rescued. And 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 we do a little star employee thing. I'm sure this will come up again, but um, a little shout out. Anytime somebody has gets a shout out from a customer, they get record, rewarded with a, a five dollar card that they can use anywhere and, and actually um, grow them to buy you know bigger stuff so um, they'll whenever they get a shout out they get that and it gets posted in the um, HR that you know this person got it for this reason kind of thing and and there are lots of them and then there are weekly drawings for the people that won those and 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 you know all kinds of prizes around that so they get big shout outs we have uh, from snow basin uh, Megan Collins uh, has a question for the three mentors Megan Hi, everyone. Um, you guys have kind of talked a little bit about it, but at Snow Basin, we do hire some younger staff like most of us. And I was curious if you guys have any suggestions how you prepare your staff and encourage them to buy in on these guest recovery programs. For example, we have had these cards where our staff, if someone's having a bad day, can give out a card, like you said, write in a free hot chocolate or something like that, we found our staff, they give out the card, they mark a free hot chocolate maybe, but then they don't write why (laughs) they gave it out. And so that's my question. Yeah, it's tough. You know, young employees aren't as trained or maybe don't have as many experiences. And so, and and when they are trained, it's like drinking from a fire hose, right? So it's hard to get everything right up to Uh, And with seasonal employees, it's even more difficult because of the time we have with them. Um, That said, I'm actually going to go back to something that Carolyn mentioned, which is rewarding the employees um, for for their positive behaviors. Uh, One thing I've tried that really was effective uh, years ago with, it didn't matter the age of the employee, but instead of employees having cards to hand out to guests, we gave cards to guests to hand out to employees. And... So management were given wads of cards and went around. So it forced the management to get out on the front lines uh, early in the morning and interact with guests and ask guests, you know, if you see something really positive happening with an employee, would you please give them this card? And it was, you know, it was a little card with a little fun little phrase on it. And uh, then we had a number on it so you could track it. So we had the guests to thank the employees and then we rewarded the employees. We kept track of the returned cards and it was a whole reward system and, you know, and celebratory system. So that worked with no matter the age, because when it, you know, it actually encouraged, encouraged a really fun uh, guest management employee culture. 
uh, where we're thanking the guests, we're asking the, the guests to recognize the employees, and, and most guests are very, very happy to do it, as a matter of fact. So that was one trick that I've used. Thanks. That was great, Dave. I wrote one, that one down. <laughs> <laughs> so, Megan, um, you know, I think one of the key elements is, uh, is to follow up with, uh, with that, that young employee. Um, it lets them know that, that, uh, that, that you're, you care about what they're doing and that, that you are, uh, that this, that program is important. Uh, and if, if they never hear anything, then, uh, they'll probably not write something down again. So, you know, I think it's really just revisit with them why you're doing it and that, you know, that nobody's in trouble. Uh, and we encourage them to always help our customers whenever they can. Uh, David, uh, we we do that same same thing. Uh, I hand out those those star employee things to customers all all morning long. Have our ambassadors do the same, and and boy, they feel so empowered to be able to have that that five dollars in their pocket to give to the right person. Um, you know, they take it very seriously. Um, for for the youngins, I love uh, bringing on the youngins because then that means you get them for a few years. So again, training is key, and making sure that they do feel like they're part of the team and uh and maybe doing a little mentoring on uh with them would find the the instructor that's got it got it together and have them shadowing them for the day or, or you know for until they're ready we do a junior ski instructor program so they're basically the the guys handing the you know hold helping the kids get from the the polar kids um area over to the sleigh to go to the you know to where the uh skiing happens so you know they they like hanging out. They're great grunts. They can carry all the skis and get it done that way. And, uh, and they feel like, you know, they're on their way. So then we get them all through high school and college. So it's a pretty good, good gig for both of us. So then this next question, this one comes from uh, Evan Kovach at Mountain Creek. Uh, Evan, you want to share your question? Sure thing. And uh, I apologize in advance for being that guy with the long-winded question, but um, with the guest journey becoming increasingly less human and rooted more in technology with uh, self-serve kiosks and, and things like that, do you have a vision of what the right balance is between providing the modern conveniences that technology does with enough human touch points to ensure our guests feel valued and will still recommend our brand to uh, friends and family? And I guess the essence of what I'm trying to say there is, um, you know, at Mountain Creek, as we strive to for friction-free and and all that fun stuff, um, that's successful. You know, the world over. Is there something to be said for keeping humans in this process in our industry? Obviously, in the service industry. Um, so yeah, that's the gist of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, thanks, Evan. Great. That's a great question because we all. I think as we get more high tech and uh, and less friction, we we start to lose that connectivity uh, with uh, customer service, but. Um, one of the things that, that we really uh, strive for is using our customers' names whenever we can. Your name is the most personal thing you own, and generally people like to be called by name. So whenever somebody comes through with a, a credit card purchase, we encourage our cashiers to, to thank them by name, same in the rental shop. And again, because we have such a high percentage of season pass holders, we have that ability to do to call them by name uh, in lift lines as well. And so we, we start to develop that closeness and, uh, and you know, people just assume that you remember their name. So the next time you see them, they expect you to remember it, but you know, that, that could be a challenge. But one of, one of the things that, you know, that is a little bit um, 
uh, I mean, may go against the grain a bit, uh, is the, the whole RFID scanning and, and the gates. Um, you know, it, that transaction or that, that interaction between a cold steel gate and, uh, and getting to the lift is a challenge. And, you know, uh, I do kind of like the handheld RFID scanners because it does allow for uh, our lift operators to address people by name and, uh, and make it a little more personal. I would challenge that one, Brad. I think the um, RFID actually allows for us to be the heroes by letting open the gate when they do have an issue. Yeah. Oh, geez, you know, sorry, John. Um, you know that you, you probably have your phone by your card or, or something like that. Instead of the the employee being the bad guy, um, actually, we call our our, our um, handheld scanners the Matt Lauer, Lauer scanners because you have to get so close. So, so we we actually uh, don't like to to get into their space with the gun too close so um we do we do appreciate you know using the gates and and uh and helping the customer out i definitely agree with the the name using um although we are, are so diverse here so in rentals um we actually you know a label prints out with their their din din setting and uh and boot size and all that and and i challenge everybody to use their name as you know when they can but boy some of those names are damn near impossible so um it's always kind of fun to try to challenge ourselves with the the name usage um but again just uh the the eye contact uh using their name um and uh you know the points of contact now are more positive than negative because of the uh technology oh, that's Super interesting, and I think uh, just to kind of build a little bit on Evan's question, I you know earlier uh, Disney was mentioned as a as as an example of great guest experience, and I'm wondering um, you know obviously Disney doesn't suffer from lack of guests or guest personalization, though they are relatively high tech, probably extremely high tech. Um, I'd be very interested to know from our mentors where you look for examples or sources of what makes a great guest experience besides Disney, of course, like other either other industries, other um, organizations, things like that. And maybe we'll just go um, with Brad, Carolyn, and David in this order, just for this one. And um, you know, how, how do you how do you set the bar for yourself, and where do you look? Well, and this is Brad. Um, you know, as a as a nonprofit um, ski industry without very deep pockets, um, you know, we we really look to the bigger, you know, the Aspens of the world, um, and and see what's working, uh, and 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 go go there ourselves, go and and witness and and see, you know, what we feel works and what doesn't work. Uh, and, and Carol, just it. The, the RFID hand scanners were the were proximity ones, not the ones that you have to actually grab and, and scan the barcode. So just to, so I, I agree with yeah. you. I hate into somebody's jacket and, on a cold day and trying to get their season pass out. Um, so I think, you know, because we are, you know, we're down the scale a bit on the high tech side. Uh, we, we look at the guys that are doing it right. And there's plenty of them out there in our industry. And uh, and then of course uh, NSAA shows and uh, and other shows to go to that where we can talk to manufacturers and and uh, people selling their wares. Thanks. I think it can be anywhere. I mean, restaurants and and uh, wherever you you interact with with uh, employees, it's 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 a constant thing. And I'm, I'm constantly looking out to see 
how and what people do to make you feel like you're you're um, value, valued as a guest. Uh, so and and usually I try to swipe those people if I'm any if they're anywhere nearby and we can. Uh, hey, do you like to ski or you want to learn and you know try to try to grab them as an employee. But I, I think any any service business is a is a possible example. Uh, yeah, David here. So I'll. To answer that question, maybe touch on the, the previous question from Evan at Mountain Creek. And by the way, I'm, I'm really interested to come, come to Mountain Creek and see what you guys are doing there, you and Joe, and stuff we're doing with your tech technology. That's pretty pretty interesting, but I haven't witnessed it yet. So, um, you know, where do we go to look? Well, you know, I think the, the obvious answer uh, is we benchmark, like Brad talked about, other ski resorts and the best ones and, and try to think what they do well and, and and, and borrow from their ideas and then and, and take those. Um, but really our customers are increasingly uh, um, have different experience in their lives and ski resorts generally, frankly, are putting through our customers through a lot more hoops and a lot more pain than many other experiences that they have. Um, so, you know, as an industry, you know, we have a lot of work to do and a big hill to climb to, to match the standards that people get in their everyday lives, you know, from a tech perspective, for example, you know, people are used to shopping on Amazon with Amazon Prime and they're used to, you know, shopping with Apple and things like that, where they, the technology experience is so well done and so well designed that it's completely seamless for the customer. It's super simple and super easy. Uh, and we're not particularly good at that in this industry. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I'm a real component of working really hard on seamless technology, but that, then having a human face uh, to help when needed, face, voice, whatever. Um, it's uh, because our customers are as diverse as we are. I mean, you got all ages, all ethnicities, all languages, all different income groups. You know, there's people that never get on a bus in their entire life, and we force them to get on a school bus from the parking lot to the ski area. And they're kind of okay. No other, no other time. They'd have a driver. <laughs> they were private plane for God's sakes. Um, so. <laughs> You know, our guests are extremely diverse and the age is really tied closely to tech experience. You know, I think our, our younger demographics have grown up in a technology uh, run world and expect things to be instantaneous and, and things to be seamless. And ski areas are not. We're way more analog. And uh, but you have older customers, too, you know, seniors and, and beyond that the tech world is, is dumbfounding to them. And so they want a voice. They want a phone call, actually. And they want a, a letter in the mail. And, and you know, we have to touch all and uh, both ends of that spectrum uh, as security operators uh, in order to be effective. Um, that said, you know, we are working at Altera really, really hard on the seamless technology, but keeping a human face to it wherever possible. We'll be right back after we thank PodSAM sponsor, Mountain Travel Symposium. Join over 1,000 industry professionals at Squaw Valley, California, March 29th through April 4th at Mountain Travel Symposium. At MTS, attendees from over 35 countries participate in one-on-one -on -one meetings, gain industry insights, and network both on and off the hill. A unique component of MTS is the Young Leaders Summit, a one-day program open to professionals under 35 who are dedicated to growing their careers in the industry. Visit www.mtntrvl.com to apply for the Young Leaders Summit or register for MTS. Rates increase January 31st. www.mtntrvl.com. 
This question is from uh, Alex at Sunday River. Alex, do you want to ask your question to our mentors? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so my name is Alex. It's been a pleasure speaking with you all today. Um, we're coming off the summer season right now. And in the summer, we become a wedding factory and a conference facility. And I'm wondering, how do we encourage these wedding guests and conference guests and guests who came here not necessarily by their choice to come back and pick up skiing in the winter? What are some strategies we can use to retain these guests in the future? Well, it, uh, to me, it's all about being able to capture their data and, and talk to them, customize your communication with them, uh, and, and do it in such a way where you, know, you basically say, hey, you came up in the summertime, we hope you enjoyed the wedding, and uh, do you know, do you ski? And if you do, we have these wonderful programs for you. Um, you know, for us, we, we are 16 miles from Boise, but it's a 40 minute drive up a super twisty, turny road. And so our summer visitors, um, a couple things that are unique about them. One is we have found that our summer visitor is not the same as our winter visitor. Although very similar demographics, primarily young families, uh, they're, they're not, they, they aren't the winter user. So it's really a great opportunity for us to reach out to those families and give them the reasons and the initiative to come back. And the thing that we like about that is they've already driven the road. And the road is the biggest stumbling block for getting people up to Bogus Basin from, from town. So that once they've done that, we know that they can find their way back in the wintertime. So that, that first hurdle is done. Now we have to just talk to them in such a way that we can encourage them to come up to learn to ski. Uh, and, and so it's a, you know, we see that summer guest as a, a huge opportunity for us uh, for winter. And, uh, and it's kind of vice versa, but uh, winter to summer, but um, you know, with such a huge group in the winter time, it's a much deeper pool. Um, data is the key. It totally is. I totally agree with you on that, Brad. And anytime we can capture an address or a, a, a telephone number, that's um, that's always uh, important to us and try to reward people in doing so. We do a, um, a, a lot of outreach. At, we do a ton of fall festivals. Um, last weekend, actually yesterday, we did a, a food truck fest. And who would think that 4,000 people would come out on a chilly uh, Sunday to wait in line to uh, buy food from trucks, but they do. Um, and oh, oh, by the way, they, they pay to take hikes too. I don't know why, but they do. We had a hundred people that paid to go for a hike. It's like, you can't go hiking on your own. Um, so uh, we have serious diversity at these uh, festivals and functions. Um, uh, a lot of them would not be able to ski and we definitely see that um but we definitely reach out with our um our little ramp we get the kids uh to go down our little uh test ramp and they are all about it they think it's the coolest thing um at the festivals and then they have to drag their parents along which we give them a little bounce back uh coupon for for our kids program from that um so that it, you know even if the parents have never seen snow or or even considered it the kids are going to nag them into doing so we also used our uh old time skiers the, uh, the other day we gave them each a, a learn to voucher to give to someone in their family that doesn't ski. Um, some, you know, friend of theirs said, you know, bring somebody out and show them how much fun winter can be. So using our guests to help lure more guests is always um, fun for us to do. That's great. So uh, Alex, David here, you know, this, the core of your question, I think is really fascinating. It, it spent a lot of time on it. 
this difference between summer and winter guests uh, is quite remarkable. And uh, there's some really strong, you know, innovative ski areas that are doing a really good job at attracting, uh, you know, winter guests to summer or new guests to summer and not thinking like ski area operators, which you know, I'm totally guilty of over the years, right? Ski area operators have been doing it my whole life. We think that the active families and active singles and stuff that visit us in the winter really want to come to our summer operations. But when you look at it, like with my experience from Aspen and the Aspen Mountain Gondola, 80% of the people that go up the Aspen Mountain Gondola in the summer to sightsee and hike and do whatever, have never been to Aspen before and are not skiers. 80% non-skiers. So the crossover is way, way, way less than I think a skier operators think it is between the seasons. And so the task for, for, for me, from my point of view, is uh, actually how do we activate summer more strongly? And how do we, as ski area operators, get out of our own way and, and identify the guests that are going and, and taking vacations and having experiences in the summer to a higher degree um, and getting outside of our comfort zone? Uh, a lot of ski area operators are, are doing that where summer business is really growing. It's highly diverse, though. It's I mean, diverse by, I mean, in many ways, but diverse in activities and experiences. You know, in the winter, we're, we're pretty lucky. We have a more singular draw. But in the summer, people are looking for a menu. Uh, they want a whole bunch of activities to choose from. Uh, and, and we're providing sort of some of the active ones. And let's be honest, you know, most people that take vacations and are out of experience are, are not active. They're passive vacationers. They're not looking for a physical activity. They're looking for an experience that doesn't take any physical effort. And uh, if we can warm ourselves up to that kind of customer and really go after them, that will help us in the summer. And we'll be able to diversify our experiences in the winter to draw them into our winter. That's super interesting. Um, it's probably why a lot of the uh, bike, uh, bike tour companies now have electric bikes, right? <laughs> uh, totally true. <laughs> so, let me, uh, I have one more question for you. Uh, um, so data tells us that the worst guest experiences can happen on peak days. Maybe it's Christmas week or, or 4th of July or something. Um, so what have you done to turn peak days into your best days with customers? Or maybe you have a lesson learned uh, or a story to share from either a current example or one from earlier in your career. Uh, so it's, it is all hands on deck and making sure that, that we're out there, um, backing up the crew, uh, you know, with wherever the lines are just, you know, yeah, showing showing our employees and guests that that we care about them, you know, being being in the thick of it. <laughs> I did have a a really uh, fun uh, situation you know, a, a bunch of years ago when our um, it was right before Christmas break and we got our warranty rental skis back the day. Well, it was the Thursday before the Friday of of the start of the break, but the Friday is when everybody comes to try to beat the crowds so it was a shit show of a Friday and we had you know two mile back up on the road and we're saying where are these people coming from we're not it's not even holiday period yet and so not only did they have a you know peak experience but then we had to mount the skis as we're handing them out in rentals so that was kind of a shit show the line went uh you know halfway down the parking lot it wasn't my favorite day <laughs> so 
<laughs> and it was also one of those days I just have to do the little aside that my husband was out um, skiing in powder and, and our dog was um, in heat and my son had just gotten operated on and he was puking. So it was one of those days for my husband oh. called me, oh my God, you wouldn't believe the powder. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it was a fun day. Yeah, you're like, tell me all about it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Exactly. When it rains, it pours. When it rains. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so peak day to best day. I, uh, I got so many examples I'd love to share. The, uh, you know, peak days are, are a gift. And there's something really special because, you know, you get a lot of people visiting your, your resort. And that's really incredible. It's a great opportunity. So sometimes we get swamped with just doing the basics. Um, but if you think about it, a peak day means more people. Therefore, there's more energy and more energy to tap from your customers. So it's a time to create fun uh, in, in an unexpected way. I get back to my surprise and delight um, uh, point of view. You know, and by fun, I say free music concerts, you know, street entertainers, whatever it might be that people are, you know, they've been in a long line here, a long line there, and then they get off the chair or they get to the bottom and all of a sudden it's something unexpected. And you can tap the energy of more people to create a real uh, social energy pretty darn quickly. Uh, quick example, when I first got, first got to Aspen in 2002, uh, and the whole event schedule was all scheduled on the lowest uh, occupancy and lowest uh, volume days and weeks. Why? Because you want to schedule events and music concerts and things like that to draw people. And so you create a draw. Well, we completely flipped that on its head and went 100% the opposite way, which is we did all of our music concerts and our, our event activities on the busiest days. Why? Because we could reach more people with the events and the music. And so we did our free concert series uh, on the busiest peak days. But the, the beauty of that is over time, is the thousands of people visiting us on the peak days got an experience they didn't expect. And it was better than they expected not so much that it wasn't crowded, it was crowded, <laughs> uh, but they got music and they got events and they got distractions and entertainment and they went home and they went, wow, that was more than I bargained for. And so, and, and you reach thousands of people, not hundreds. Uh, so over time that can have a powerful effect on, on uh, just building customer uh, references. And as we all know, word of mouth is the most powerful tool we have uh, in our business. Yeah, I think uh, peak days are uh, are completely necessary to really stress test the operation. Uh, I know for us, uh, last year we experienced several days at peak or beyond, and it really, you know, it showed our weaknesses, some that we didn't anticipate, uh, that we hadn't seen. And so it allows us to look at that and make improvements and make sure that we don't, uh, we don't duplicate those issues in the future. So you know, uh, we had some significant parking issues last year, partly because we had so much snow that we lost some parking spaces and partially because we, the community is growing and we're seeing more more users coming up. So it forced us to make some, some big changes for this year. We uh, were able to get uh, park and ride parking from the city of Boise. Uh, we're instituting a ride share app uh, with the local highway district and we're subsidizing public busing, none of which we had last year. Um, so it really, it really forced us into trying to figure out how we can smooth this out because the last thing we can do is really uh, add parking up there. So how do we reduce some of our cars and improve the experience? We also uh, picked up a sponsor that helped us buy two new shuttle buses uh, that will be running people back and forth in the in the parking lot. So 
without without those peak days, I don't think we would have seen that. We probably wouldn't have been felt the need to to step out and do some of the things we should have done. Okay, so now we're going to do our final lightning round. Uh, one last thing I'd love for 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 our mentors to do is the one sentence your your one sentence advice and gift for each of the mentees so in one sentence <laughs> uh, one thing you'd love to leave behind for our mentees so no pressure carolyn <laughs> uh, get out there and experience it and i loved um was it david's suggestion of of being uh do do the process yourself you know have our have our uh employees go through the process as though they're a newbie uh, I'm going to go with my gut on this one, and it's actually going to touch on something I mentioned earlier. Uh, genuine personal warmth. Customer service at its core is about people interacting with people, no matter how much tech we, we build. So nothing replaces genuine personal warmth and one-on-one -on -one experiences whenever possible. So always make that the target. I would say lead by example. Uh, don't be afraid to step in and help out. Um, it goes a long way with staff and that, whether it's shoveling snow, I love the idea of doing that in the parking lot with the, with the brooms, controlling lift lines or anything where you feel that one, there's a need and two, you may be able to set an example for some of these younger people to, to see that, gee, there's a guy in charge, he's not afraid to shovel snow, uh, then I shouldn't complain about it or I shouldn't, I should pick up a shovel and help out. We have reached the end of this first conversation in our six-episode run of year three of the Summit Series program. If you want to learn more about the program, visit www.saminfo.com slash summit series. You can get to know each of the mentors and mentees and check out special content from the program. Headed to the National Ski Areas Association Eastern or Western Regional Shows? Keep an eye out for the SAM team because you might just hear yourself on an upcoming episode of PodSAM, so be sure to like and subscribe. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSAM advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Bordeev, and thank you for listening to PodSAM. Cheers. Thank Take you. Care. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you.